Our lesson is Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, found on page 3 of your New Testament Pew Bible. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Good morning. I understand we ran out of bulletins near the end there, so if you see somebody looking aimlessly around, be, be nice. Share your, share your bulletin with them. Would you pray with me, please? You who awakens the day, awaken us now, O oh God, to your presence and your word for us this morning. Keep us uh, open and um, in heart and mind responsive to your special word for each of us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So he didn't want to do it, and you can't really blame him, really. It's, it's a lot of pressure to baptize a Messiah. Nobody wants to go down in history as the one who botched the baptism of Jesus Christ, right? He said, you should be baptizing me, John said. Jesus basically agreed with him, but said, well, let's do it this way for now. I would imagine we can all remember a time when we were asked to do something that we weren't ready to do. Some new job or task that had our palms sweating and looking around for the nearest exit. One day when I was here at Montview, brand new, first year here, 33 years old, really hadn't done ministry before. I walk out of my office and the administrative assistant says to me, she says, there's a family downstairs, they're looking for a minister to do a brief service in the columbarium out here to inter the ashes of their loved one, like right now. <laughs> I said, okay, and I turned around to go find one. I really did. Like, there must be a minister here some, somewhere. I'll get back to you. There is a, a, a lovely kind of humility that can overcome us when we are stepping into shoes that are too large for us, especially if it is to do something that we really care about and, and that we're doing it with people that we don't want to let down. And in a few minutes, we're going to ordain and install our newest uh, elders and deacons, those who will help lead this church for the next three years. And this year's class, just like every year, included some people who, when they were asked to do this, responded kind of like John the Baptist, saying, you want me to do what? And it's understandable, I think. It's a big deal to be invited into the leadership of this church. It has a distinguished history. It holds an important place in the community. 
lot of people are um, counting on this church. So you don't want to go down in history as the elder or deacon who botched things under your watch, right? I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but have you really thought this through, you elders? Got some big shoulders to stand on. And actually, while humility is a beautiful thing, whether it's John the Baptist or a young minister or our newest elders and deacons, my message today is actually, um, for all of us, to be humble, but don't be too humble. And here's why. You know, so much of our world encourages us to uh, compare ourselves with others, whether it's the cars we drive or how many friends we have or um, where we went to college, how many likes we get. We're often making these subtle or sometimes not so subtle judgments about others, and we're often having a conversation in our minds uh, about how we're doing, how we're measuring up to others. And of course, a little bit of judgment is fine, right? We're, it's natural to think about what we like and what we don't like, but we live in a culture of incessant comparison, and the problem with that is that we, not only that we often end up feeling badly about ourselves in comparison to people that we think are above us, it's that the very system itself gives us permission to think that there are people beneath us. It's in the way we see things that way. And especially in a culture that overvalues the, the three A's of appearance, achievement, and affluence, we don't even notice how many times we're making these snap judgments about people that we don't know anything about, really. And most of the time, if we're honest, it's really just to reinforce the fragile scaffolding of our own egos. That's what we're doing. But it doesn't have to be like this. It's a way of seeing the world that we can change. Joseph Campbell famously said that if you want to change the world, change the metaphor. So what if instead of seeing things, seeing this world as a kind of ladder where we're always trying to climb higher and there are some people above us and some people behind us, what if we tried to see the world flatter and as a circle, a circle where everyone is included, where everyone's a little, little bit of a mess and everyone has their gifts to bring. Because isn't this what Jesus again and again tried to say? Again and again, he rejects the hierarchy of the political and religious elites, right? Drove them crazy that he wouldn't eat with them. He would eat with the prostitutes and the drunkards, they said. That his friends were fishermen and women, tax collectors. And that he kept healing the lame and the blind. He kept touching those, those untouchables. His words, too, were so often about not comparing yourself, not criticizing others. There's so many examples of them. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye and you can't see the log in your own eye? Judge not, 
unless you want to be judged. Whoever here is without sin, cast the first stone. Again and again, his teachings are calling us toward this flatter organizational structure of the human community. And then there's this wonderful language from the Apostle Paul. We're going to hear it when we do our installation, where he compares the community to the body of Christ as a way of recognizing that every part of the body matters. Here's some of it again. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether you're Jew or Greek, free or slave, we were all made to drink from one spirit. And so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. So in some ways, all the teachings of Jesus, the whole New Testament, is this one big plea to change the metaphor. To see the world through a new lens. Now some of you know who uh, Father Greg Boyle is. He's the founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. He's been our Montview lecturer a few years back. Father Boyle is a Jesuit priest who many years ago went into the this area was assigned this parish in Los Angeles that is one of the most gang-ridden, violent neighborhoods in our country. And so after all these years, he speaks from experience about the young men and the women that this society has been so quick to judge as unworthy, as lower on the ladder. And I heard him tell a story recently about a man named Louie, a, a boy really, a young man, named Louie, who works at Homeboy Industries. Although Father Boyle says work may be too strong a verb to use. Louie is sweet, but he's also difficult, right? He, he complains a lot, he's kind of, you know, exasperating. And one day Louie, after complaining about something, asked Father Boyle for a blessing. This is something some of the young men do with him. Father Boyle says, okay, comes over and puts his arms on Louis and he says, Louis, I'm so proud of you. My life is richer for having known you. Even though, and Father Boyle says, I'm not sure why I said this, even though, you know, sometimes you can be a real pain in the butt. <laughs> and Louis looks up at him and he smiles and he says, the feeling's mutual. Father Boyle uses this story as this example of right then, that whole hierarchy collapses, right? It's no longer this uh, uh, service provider and a service recipient, right? It's just two people, two friends in the circle, helping each other find their way back to who they are. And that is the world that Jesus proclaims. That is the world that Jesus says is possible. Not one where we look longingly at those higher in the pecking order or out of some sense of Christian duty, help the poor souls beneath us. 
but a world that is instead just one big, beautiful, messy circle where everyone is included and everyone has gifts. A world where we are all a part of God's body and every part of that body is valued. So be humble, but not too humble. We need to think less about who's above us and beneath us. Think more about who's beside us. You new elders and deacons, you will learn much from your colleagues in the years ahead. And your colleagues will have much to learn from you. And only God knows who will bring just the right gift at just the right time. You know, that day at the Jordan River where these two cousins who had grown up together stood arguing about who should baptize whom. We've been taught to see all the ways that that John was certainly no Jesus. It's the way the latter works. And the point I'm trying to make today is that it is just as true that Jesus was no John. That John had his own unique gifts and that he was loved by God every much as God loves Jesus. And that he was called by God for just such a day as that to bring that gift of baptizing Jesus. And as much as John clearly admired and respected his remarkable cousin, I like to think that the feeling was mutual. 